You're listening to episode 25 of the We Get the Runs podcast. In this episode, we talk about holiday eating for runners. Welcome to the We Get the Runs podcast. We're your hosts, Letty and Angela, and we invite you to join us as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make running a favorite part of your life. Hey runners, welcome to episode 25. My name is Letty Lundquist and I'm your host and I'm super excited to have you back. It's already mid-November and I'm sure a lot of you are feeling the cooler temperatures. We're down here in Florida and I must say it cooled down a little bit. I wear a light jacket when I walk the dogs in the evening. Oh wait, let me regress. I wear a raincoat when I go for a walk with my dogs because it's actually still hurricane season. And although it's the end of it, we had a hurricane heading our way this week, Hurricane Ida. And um, now there's just a lot of rain, lots of wind, some flooding, you know, fun times, especially when you try to go running and you're hopping over puddles. But, um, you know, there's lots of things uh, about Florida that people may not agree with. But on a personal level, I have to say that I really enjoy the weather. Even the humidity, to me, there's really nothing worse than cold weather. So while I'm complaining or talking about there being rain, I'm actually not really, I don't really mind it because it's still warm rain and, um, you know, this tropical weather, which I really, really like. So that's what's new here. It's already mid-November, like I said, and guess what, guys? The holidays are approaching. Personally, I love the holidays. I have my Christmas tree up already, and I love watching cheesy Hallmark movies. And for that, it would be nice to have some colder weather. Um, what I have not figured out, though, is how to deal with Thanksgiving. And don't get me wrong, I really love Thanksgiving, um, but, you know, since I've already decorated for Christmas and then there's another holiday, I don't know what to do with the decorations in my house. So should I just have the Christmas tree out and put some pumpkins around it and um, do it that way? Or <laughs> I feel like decorating for Christmas after Thanksgiving, it's just, you know, it's just such a short time that you only have your decorations up for 25 days. And is that really worth your effort? I don't know. I don't think so. Anyway, we all know that holidays this year will look a little bit different depending on where you are. I know that Europe has locked down again in some parts, some countries, and um, I would love to hear from our listeners from Europe, actually, to um, see what's going on over there on a running level. How does it affect your running? In Florida, we have live races again, as crazy as this sounds. I haven't looked into them, but um, I have a friend of mine that just ran one, actually, and he he mentioned to me that he participated in a race and they started in groups a little bit spread out every five seconds with a little bit of a delay. Um, not sure, you know, how, how else they were changing stuff. I don't know what the current races have as restriction. I'm sure there's some kind of caps on the uh, amount of participants that they allow. And um, I actually, I'll look into it and then I can share it with you guys. But um, yeah, so enough about that. Holidays will look different this year in so many ways. So how are they going to look different? Um, I'm sure there'll be less office parties with people working from home. You know, Christmas parties will probably be 
not happen because of the dangers of larger gatherings. Um, maybe Thanksgiving dinners will only happen with immediate family members rather than having big groups of friends, you know, all the Friendsgivings that we usually go to. And I'm sure there'll just be a lot of less food sharing. But enough about COVID. Um, I wanted to do an episode on eating during the holidays for runners. So this is it. We'll still talk about it because we will still have more treats in our own homes. I am pretty sure about that. So of course, I invited an expert on the subject to talk to me and answer all of my questions in regards to holiday eating for runners. And today we're going to be talking to Serena Marie RD. She is a registered dietitian and RRCA coach and focuses on helping female athletes run free from crazy diets while chasing personal records. Serena has nutritional science degrees from Cornell University and Yale University, and she focuses on sports nutrition after realizing how radically performance improves when focusing on nutrient timing and optimization. Serena blends sports nutrition with intuitive eating practices to help female athletes make peace with their diet and their bodies. She truly believes that nothing in the world is better than a good run and a delicious meal and wants everybody to appreciate these simple pleasures of life. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Serena. All right, so I'm here with Serena. Serena, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Letty. I'm so excited to um, be here today. Thank you. We're excited to have you. So for the listeners that don't know you, can you introduce yourself, talk about where you come from and what you do for a living? Sure. So um, my name is Serena. I go by Serena Marie RD um, on the interwebs, but I am a registered dietitian specializing in sports nutrition and intuitive eating. I work mainly with runners and um, that's because I'm a runner myself. Um, so I am located here in Brooklyn, New York, but my um, private practice is all virtual. So I work with people all over the world. And um, yeah, I'm very lucky because I am a runner. I am a dietitian and my whole life revolves around talking to people about <laughs> running and food. So I'm really living my dream. <laughs> All right. So since you've um, already said it and the holidays are coming up, let's talk about our topic today, which is holiday eating for runners. So what is your biggest tip for holiday eating before we get started on this whole topic? Yeah, I think my biggest tip, guys, is don't wait until New Year's Day to make healthy choices. You know, your body shouldn't be treated like you could could not care less, you know, from November through December, and then you wake up on New Year's and you want to have this whole new healthy attitude. Um, you know, I think the best thing you can do, I know for a fact, the best thing you can do to make healthy living sustainable and long lasting is making slow, small changes in the right direction. So if you wake up on New Year's Day and you're like, I'm going to try this crazy diet. And so it doesn't matter what I eat all through December, that's going to blow up in your face. It's going to bite you in the booty. So don't do that. So instead, I want you guys really paying attention to the choices you're making throughout the holidays, listening to your body, seeing how foods make you feel, reflecting on your choices and being intentional about your choices, using some of the tips we're going to talk about on the, the podcast. And um, really don't kind of just like treat your body like trash until New Year's. Like you should be treating yourself like the gem that you are throughout the holiday season. That's awesome. That's a great first tip. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm sure that you see a lot of people 
that get frustrated with the holidays because we work out so hard all summer long and then the holidays come and then here's a cookie, there's a cookie. You know, like you and I talked earlier, not so much maybe with COVID because most offices are closed, people work from home, but usually there's cookies everywhere, there's treats everywhere and you give food to people because you want to show them your appreciation. So you probably see that a lot. Um, so what are your tips or where do you start with um, this whole topic of holidays? Maybe you can walk me through your approach. Sure. So um, I am an intuitive eating dietitian. So I think that's kind of like a newer movement in the nutrition field. So you may or may not have heard of it before. But basically, I help people learn how to listen to their body and kind of listen to what foods make them feel best. And I actually combine that with some sports nutrition practices, because as runners, we have um, special needs that are specific to the fact that we're, we're athletes and we're running and we're expending all this energy. So when it comes to the holidays, um, you know, one of the first places I start is by helping athletes to take the drama out of food, right? Because it can feel quite anxiety inducing if we worry about all of the holiday treats. I mean, this year looks a little different because of COVID, but usually there's like cocktail parties galore. I feel like every weekend, usually I'm like at a friend's giving or a holiday party or a Christmas party. So um, I think it's really easy to go into the holidays with this like anxiety around food um, and this fear of weight gain. And um, you know, this is kind of a counterintuitive thing to say, but what I kind of like to do is help people realize that all foods can fit into the, like, your daily intake. So you can make sure that you are going to eat not too many cookies or not too many cocktails so that you can maybe enjoy your experience but not have any negative side effects to the way you feel in your body. So um, a lot of what I'm doing is working with, like, helping people understand the science of food, understanding, like, why food isn't, you know, automatically going to lead to weight gain to take some of that fear out of it, but also help them figure out like, when is that cookie totally worth it and an enjoyable experience and a memory that I'm going to savor and really enjoy versus when am I just like stress eating cookies? Right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially because there is a lot of drama with food because everything is centered around eating. I mean, if you think about Thanksgiving, yes, you think about your family and saying thank you. But at the same time, you're picturing loads and loads of foods on somebody ta somebody's table. And then the same with Christmas or cocktail parties, like you said, you know, people walking around with the hors d'oeuvre players and and handing them out. And then here's something, there's something, the cocktails, the drinks, the eggnog, all that. So that's, um, so that's really interesting. So talking about the science, how do you approach that without making people feel completely like, okay, I need to think about the technicalities of what's in this food rather than being able to just enjoy it? Yeah, good question. So kind of, I think when it comes to the holidays, we need to like kind of accept the fact that we're not going to be in control of creating every dish, right? Like grandma's going to be cooking dinner, like um, maybe your friend brings over cookies and we're not going to know like every macronutrient or calorie and the ingredients 
in every food, right? So as long as you don't have a food allergy, then we can take a deep breath and figure out how to use mindful eating practices to make this not feel like a scary experience. So um, one of the things that I encourage people to do is kind of to look at maybe their, and again, this is a little bit weird this time of year because of COVID, but usually I tell people to kind of look at your calendar and see really how often um, like parties or, you know, celebrations are going to be happening. Because what I mean by that is in traditional days, if you have like happy hour and two parties in the same week, you may say to yourself, you know, I know if I drink all three of those nights or if I have dessert and appetizers and heavy food all three of those nights, I'm not going to feel good. Okay, so I'm not saying you're going to gain weight. You should be terrified you're going to gain weight. I'm saying my body will not feel good. Okay, so you may make the decision of, hey, let me actually try and say this this party specifically on Saturday, I'm totally going to indulge there. I'm going to have some treats and some alcohol, but maybe the other um, events during the week, you maybe say to yourself, you know what, let me just really be intentional about my choices. Let me really try and stick to having um, like crudite or veggies and some protein and then like a little bit of some like carbohydrate and maybe one cocktail. So kind of just like setting some kind of like game plan for how you're going to deal with the onslaught of holiday parties and events. Now that said, because it's COVID times, maybe we're just dealing with like a handful of parties or events um, or situations, in which case I really want you to really kind of double down on your mindful eating practices. So again, I kind of weigh, is this in a special event that comes once a year where I don't want to be thinking about nutrition? I literally just want to like let go and indulge and, you know, eat the right amount that I don't get sick to my stomach, obviously. And I think that's okay. You can say, you know what, I don't care what I'm eating or drinking. This is my one night a year. Um, this Christmas party, I go nuts every year and this is how I do it. I think that's awesome. But again, if you're doing it over and over again, you're not going to feel good. Come January 1st, you're going to be like, oh, I don't feel so good. So mindful eating practices are awesome in that I really encourage people to take the food that they want to eat and to put it on a plate because that way our brain can literally see how much food we're about to eat. And it literally helps you feel your fullness, Letty, which I think is something that's hard to do when you're just grabbing an appetizer here or a cookie there. That's a great idea. It makes complete sense. What are some other ones, mindful eating practices? Because this is completely new to me. Yeah. So I think putting it all on a plate. So I would say rather than just kind of, you know, letting the appetizers fly at you when you walk into the party. Maybe you take a few minutes to kind of make a circle, figure out what is being served to you, figuring out like what actually sounds good rather than just grabbing anything that they put in your face. Building your plate with foods that really are going to satisfy you and hit the spot, the things that you're truly like, yum, that sounds good. I want to eat that. And building your plate that way. And then if possible, if you can sit with your plate, put your booty in a Chair, I always tell my clients, put your booty in a chair, sit down and slowly eat it. So not just kind of like mindlessly popping food into your mouth, but really eat it, taste the flavor, chew it and experience it. That also is going to help you feel your fullness better. So you're less, you'll have less of a tendency to overeat. Okay. So to summarize them this far, we have the whole calendar where you kind of, mm -hmm. you know, look at the date and then getting stuff on a plate and then actually sitting down and eating it slowly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think 
I'm not encouraging encouraging you to stop after one plate, but I'm encouraging you to stop and listen to your fullness. So what I mean by that is maybe you eat your plate, you make sure that you've waited like 10 to 20 minutes before you decide whether you're hungry enough to go back for seconds. So I'm not discouraging going back for seconds, but more so saying rather than just like eating super quick, eating everything that you see, and then, you know, you're leaving the party, and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so full, I need to unbutton my pants. That's, a, that's an uncomfortable feeling. So we're trying to remove the discomfort. We want you, the goal here is you leave the party saying, I'm perfectly full, I'm comfortably full, I hit the spot, the food I ate was delicious and satisfying, rather than leaving feeling like you just binge ate cookies and you don't even remember eating how many cookies you had, and you don't feel comfortable in your clothing, right? So we're trying to add some mindful attention to the food choices we're making and making sure that they're truly enjoyed and savored in the moment. That's great, Serena. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And then when it comes to the rest of your day, do you suggest to your clients they not eat or should they eat? Oh, what a good question. <laughs> so yeah, I do not encourage, um, you know, trying to save your calories, quote unquote. I have found um, in virtual nutrition coaching, one of the quickest, easiest ways to lead to overeating or binging or having that chaotic relationship with food, that feeling of, I can't stop eating my kids' cookies, and I'm not quite sure why, it always is related to skipping meals. So just because you have a party that night doesn't mean you starve yourself all day. Just because you went to a party last night doesn't mean you skip breakfast the next day. I really encourage you setting up your day with regularly occurring meals every three to four hours. So again, we can really keep our body well-nourished, and we can really kind of um, keep that relationship with our belly where we're hearing our hunger and feeling our fullness. And I know this sounds like such a basic concept, but I can't tell you how many people just shove down on that hunger and try and ignore it. And then they get so hungry that they eat past their fullness. Yeah, I've been, I've been culprit of this as well. I mean, you know, the days, you know, you're going somewhere for Thanksgiving, I purposely wake up and not eat anything. So that way I can eat more of it than, you know, it's like you say, it doesn't really feel that good at the end of it the day. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. yeah. So I think like, you know, if you're somebody who's like, Serena, last night I ate too much and I don't feel so good. I may say something to you like, okay, so can we eat some foods that are really going to kind of help to um, help your body feel more energized today. So if you had a whole bunch of sugar last night, a whole bunch of like alcohol last night, you may be benefiting from having a really veggie rich and protein rich meal. So maybe you make yourself like an omelet with some veggies. Maybe you make yourself like a green smoothie with some protein powder in there. Um, and same thing goes for like on Thanksgiving day. If you're like, I want to kind of make sure I'm eating. So I feel when I'm hungry, I'm eating and I get full, but maybe rather than getting, um, 
So I use the hunger and fullness scale a lot of times with my clients. So we talk about how seven is this perfect fullness. Like it's very comfortable. I'm staying full for three to four hours when I reach a seven. And maybe on Thanksgiving Day, Letty, you consider getting to a six, which is a little bit of like a lighter feeling of fullness. So that way you don't go into Thanksgiving feeling like ravenous and you haven't eaten all day and then having that experience where you can't control yourself around food. We always want to keep um, our, we always want to stay in control. It's a, it's a bad feeling when you feel like the cookies are taking control of you or the mashed potatoes are taking control of you. So the way we do that is we make sure our body always knows when you feel hunger, you honor it. And it's again, super basic, but that's one of the like basic tenets of intuitive eating. That's a good concept. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question that has not as much to do with this whole holiday theme, but we can kind of tie it together, which is when you run in the morning and you're running on a caloric deficit. So basically you wake up and you run and then you burn fat instead of, um, you know, calories that you just consume. Can you talk about that a little bit and then maybe tie it into this whole holiday running and when a good time of the day would be to run? Yeah, so I think um, it actually it does tie in beautifully to the holidays, especially with, um, I don't know when this episode will be released, but Thanksgiving is in our near future right now. We're reporting November 10th, and um, turkey trots are super popular, right? So people wake up in the morning, and they run a 5K, they run a 10K, whatever, with their family, and yes, a lot of times those turkey trots are advertised as like, burn some calories before you go dig in for dinner with your family, and um, so here's the thing with um, fasted cardio. And this applies not only on Thanksgiving, but every day of the year. When you work out in a fasted state, and let's specifically talk about running right now, so cardio, you are burning more calories from stored body fat or fatty acids than you are from that food that you would ingest before a workout, like if you had a bagel, let's say, before. So that is true. Um, that said, that doesn't necessarily mean that come the end of the day, Day, right? Because our body doesn't just like work in little intervals where it's like, okay, you burned body fat at 7am. So now when you go to bed tonight, you are going to remain in that body fat burn state, you're going to eat the rest of the day, right? So just because you work out on an empty belly in the morning doesn't mean you're going to go to bed that night, having burned extra body fat, like there's plenty of time during the day to kind of, um, eat back that food that you burned off. And so therefore, it's not like because you exercise on an empty belly, you're guaranteeing that you're going to be um, have burned fat that day. Really, what's more important is just kind of ending that day in the overall calorie deficit. Um, so it's not so much about getting the fasted cardio in so much as ending the day in the calorie deficit to promote fat loss. That makes sense. Yeah, completely. Okay, so then basically any time of the day during the holidays, it's okay to run. Um, it's not going to really make a big dent into whatever is going on with you. Yes, yes, yes. And I, and I think this is really important, guys, because, and again, the holidays <laughs> looks a little different this year, so I'm kind of speaking on uncharted territory right now, but I know in the past, the holiday season's super chaotic. There's presents to buy. You feel like every minute of free time gets swallowed up by the holidays. And so I want to encourage you, like, don't feel like if I don't go running in the morning on an empty belly, then it's not worth it to go running at, you know, some other time of day. That's absolutely not true. Whenever you can make time for 
for yourself to go for that run and to get that weightlifting session in, to go for a walk, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's on an empty belly or not. Like you should prioritize that movement. Um, not only will it help you feel like your body weight is better controlled to the healthy weight your body wants to be at, but also will help with stress management. That makes sense. Yeah. And what other, um, what other advice do you have for your clients um, that are runners that want to make sure that the holiday training goes just as well as their training during spring or summer? Yeah, so um, I think every runner is different, right? So some people are prioritizing um, running right now because they're on a training plan. They have a race in the spring where the training in December is important. So for those athletes, I really encourage us to schedule our workouts, right? So just the way you don't tell your boss, sorry, I can't work today. I have to wrap gifts, right? Like that would be ridiculous. It's the same thing with that workout. You don't say, sorry, I'm not going to work out today just because I need to go to holiday shopping right and again I know this year everything looks different so um, so anyway talking about past years so we want to make sure we're scheduling our workouts and we're getting in the movement that we need to get to achieve our goal now for some athletes maybe um, they don't have a race coming up and they just want to stay active because it helps them feel good in their body and for those athletes again I encourage you to schedule your workouts but I also encourage you to schedule some flexibility in there so what I mean by that is maybe you know you want to work out four times a week and you maybe schedule like five or six time blocks where you are going to have time to work out so that way if you skip one or two of them it's no big deal right because you have a surplus of time blocks saved to kind of have that that movement in and again the way I work in my private practice is I'm always encouraging us to figure out how to feel good in our body and what I'll find for many runners, and I'm sure letting you feel the same way, is you just don't feel as good when you skip workout after workout. So rather than it being like, I have to run because my dietitian told me to, you know, it becomes, I need to run because my body feels better when I run. And I want this immediate gratification of I run, I feel better which is like so, so lovely that we have that opportunity because the same can't really be said for I eat a salad and I immediately feel so much better, right? Like, I mean, I may feel that way, but a lot of people are kind of like, I'm just eating a salad and, you know, so the running gives us that immediate gratification, which is so lovely. That is lovely. Serena, one question um, sure. that I have in regards to particular foods that people want to consume. So either for healthy eating or if they want to bake treats and, you know, for your running friends and make them a little bit more healthy. What are your suggestions for um, the alternatives of lots of sugar and butter, but still make the treats taste good? Yeah. So, um, again, I think that we have to kind of always consider what's going to hit the spot, right? So for some people, for some recipes, you might be like, it's got to be the buttery, sugary thing my grandma makes or it's nothing at all, which I respect that. But there's plenty of times where I'm like, I don't care. Like, I just want some chocolate. And so if we can, you know, make it a little healthier, that's cool. It'll still hit the spot. So hitting the spot is very important in intuitive eating. So um, some excellent alternatives for sugar. Um, I really like monk fruit, monk fruit sweetener. So you can buy those at like Target. Um, it's basically an alternative to sugar. Stevia drops are one of my most used um, like recipe 
ingredients and one of my most used ingredients. Um, I love to add it to Greek yogurt and I have like chocolate flavored stevia drops, um, caramel flavor, coconut flavor, vanilla flavor. So I really like to use stevia drops to help flavor food. So maybe you cut out some of the sugar and you add stevia or monk fruit instead. Um, a lot of recipes, you can swap out oil for applesauce. So that's also a good trick. Um, for some recipes, you could swap out the butter for a saturated fat like coconut oil. Um, I can't really say I have strong opinions of coconut oil versus butter, although if you're vegan, maybe the coconut oil would be better. Um, but coconut oil does have this benefit of it contains median chain triglycerides, which potentially can help with like um, blood sugar, insulin sensitivity. So that kind of is a cool benefit. Um, but ultimately, I think really the most important takeaway here isn't how do I make the healthiest treat so that I can eat more of them, but rather how do I find the treat that is most satisfying to me and eat it in a slow and enjoyed way so that you don't feel this need to like binge on the food or overeat the food. Okay. No, that makes sense. And I've never heard of stevia drops at all. I mean, I've heard of stevia, but not drops and especially not flavored ones, which is super interesting to me because I'm always trying to kind of cut out the sugar just because, you know, especially with kids, give them other alternatives that are maybe a little bit healthier because you know they love the sweets so much. Yeah. But um, so are there special recipes for that? Because obviously I can't use a cup of stevia drops, right? Honestly, I'm not a big baker, but um, when I do bake, I really like the website, and I'm not affiliated with her in any way. I just am a fan. Um, paleomg.com, um, so P-A-L-E-O-M-G.com. She just has some awesome, like, healthier, a lot of grain-free um, baking recipes. Um, I do admit to being a little bit of a rebel, where if I'm baking something and it recommends, like, a, a cup of sugar, I'll just experiment and like cut the sugar and maybe add a few drops of stevia or some monk fruit um but honestly i don't have the like the measurements um, of how to swap one for the other memorized so um i kind of encourage you guys to just like find recipes that work for you and then if you're brave you can experiment or you can just kind of go on google or pinterest and type in like low carb or low sugar baking recipes and i'm sure there's tons of options available yeah and you're right i mean that's a, that's half the battle right i'm a new vegan so i'm always oh. trying to swap out eggs and butter and half the time it just falls apart I, i'm not a baker either and i'm sure mm -hmm. that if i were more diligent with it it would probably work out better but half the time it just falls apart and it's super frustrating you know unless you find a particular recipe that works with whatever substitute you're using it's kind of a guessing game It is. And I do admit where baking is not my forte. So, and I'm not, I don't know. I just, I'm not a big, I'm definitely a chocolate person, but I'm not like a baked goods person. So um, I guess I haven't really ever perfected that skill. You've heard of flax eggs, I'm assuming, right? Like taking the flaxseed. Okay. So yeah, that's a good substitution for vegans as you guys can take, um, swap out an egg and make a flax egg using flax, uh, ground flaxseed and some water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, like you said, chocolate is, is a whole different ballgame with um, vegan chocolate. I mean, that's kind of crazy to find because you always run into the fact that, you know, you're going to have to eat the dark chocolate and you're not going to have the milk chocolate anymore. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I mean, dark chocolate's really healthy for us. So there's kind of that you're, you're forced into having that like super healthy aversion, rich in antioxidants, but absolutely. Um, I, I'm not, I, I can't speak to a whole lot about vegan chocolate. I don't have a lot of expertise there. Um, cause I'm not a vegan, but, um, you know, black chocolate or dark blackout chocolate by Alter Eco is a really yummy um, dark chocolate. And I'm not sure if it's vegan, but I'm 99% sure there's no added. So many tips. I'm going to have to summarize them all out and uh, make a bullet list because I feel like this is gold right now. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. But tell me one more thing. So if people want to get in touch with you or follow you on social media, which I highly suggest because your posts are always awesome. Um, tell us where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. So um, I kind of keep everything consistent. So um, my handle on Instagram is Serena Marie RD, Serena spelled like the tennis player. And um, you can also find me on um, Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Serena Marie RD. I have an awesome free Facebook community. And if you want to get the link to join that, you can either DM me on Instagram or if you go to my website, serenamarierd.com, I have a really great free pre-workout training video series where I give you a pre-workout guide. We talk all about intermittent fasting and fasted cardio, kind of what you, were, you and I were diving into today, Lenny. And you also will get the link to my Facebook community that way. Um, and I think my goal with social media is just I really want to make food, you know, fun and not so strong. I think it's really easy, especially as runners. We love data. We're very type A. And I kind of want to take that obsessive type A um, feeling that we tend to get towards nutrition and just kind of bring it back to the basics of can we listen to our body? Can we know a little bit about sports nutrition so that we can fuel our performance? But really just bring it back to like eating intuitively, listening to our body, and helping runners find food freedom. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any questions about that, reach out on social media. I have some great virtual um, online coaching programs that I also could tell you about. Thank you so much, Serena. Thank you, Vladdy. This was so much fun. It was. Thanks again, Serena, for your time and your expertise. I had a great time talking to you, and I hope that we have you back on soon in regards to anything nutrition-related. So moving on, we're now going to play you our phone call with Brody Sharp, the Australian physiotherapist that we call every week with running-related injuries. So let's um, hear from Brody. Hi, Brody. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Letty. I'm excited to delve into another question. All right. I have one for you from Sunny Delight 27 And he or she says, when I picked up more mileage, my Achilles gets super tight. What can I do? Okay. Um, hi, Sunny. Well, this will just depend on a few circumstances, a few, uh, depend on how long you've had it for, what your usual mileage is like, um, what you're increasing it to. I know you do explain that you've, you've picked up the mileage a bit. Um, this is where it comes into a little bit of muscle adaptation and knowing a little bit more about how your body adapts to a change in load. Um, definitely 
you'd have a look over the last couple of weeks and see, okay, how much have I increased my mileage by? Have I increased my speed? Have I uh, incorporated any hills or any change in terrain? Because as we know, increasing speed, increasing or doing anything uphill definitely increases a huge spike in demand for the Achilles and will start causing tightness. And the tightness is the the tendons and the muscles just trying to um, recover from the load that you're putting it through. And if you if that is ignored and you continue pushing and pushing and pushing, that's when it can develop into an injury. So at the moment, if it's just super tight, that's okay. We do need to monitor your loads. Um, but similar to the past questions that I've answered, uh, it comes around adaptation, making sure that your training zone and when you're doing your weekly mileage that you're sticking within your adaptation zone. So it's triggering enough for the body to adapt and get stronger, but it isn't too much that the body starts to break down. It's just too much for it to cope and then leads into an injury. So following a nice um, running program or having a running coach that will help you guide you through um, a a build-up phase in a safe manner would be a good option for you. Um, If Achilles tightness is still persisting, when you do run, just make sure you do a gradual warm up. You probably don't need to do any like static stretches, like st- a stretch and hold type of stretches. Just making sure a warm up, a uh, gradual warm up is adequate, and yeah, just making sure we're paying attention to training loads. Okay, and are there any type of exercises to alleviate that tightness that we could maybe talk about? Uh, I think like at the end of a run, doing static stretches might help alleviate things for sometimes a couple of minutes, sometimes an hour, but usually I find that tightness comes back pretty quickly. Um, And we're not necessarily helping heal the body. It's just like settling down like momentary short-term tightness. Um, If we wanted long-term solutions, then uh, it's building up strength. It's making sure you're within the right, um, like your running program is within the right intensity and if it, if it does develop into like an Achilles tendon issue, then doing some heavy eccentric calf raises, you might need to um, YouTube exactly what that is, but it's usually just uh, loading up during the down phase of a calf raise. Uh, does a really good job of, uh, you know, recovering that tendon, increasing the load of that tendon and overall long-term recovery. Perfect. Thank you so much. And how can our listeners get a hold of you if needed? Uh, if you wanted to contact me directly, I do have a new website, runsmarter.online. So there's a contact form there if you want to reach out. And, um, and uh, I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much, Brody. You're welcome, Letty. Thanks, Brody, for all the information. And if any of you listeners would like to have your running injury question answered on air, just make sure that you send us a message either via Instagram, Facebook, or all the other media that you can find us under at WGTR Podcast. And that's it for this week. Stay tuned for next week's episode. I hope you got a lot of information out of um, my conversation with Serena and that you are ready to enjoy and indulge the holidays in a safe and constructive way that doesn't hinder your running plan all right have a good one guys thanks for listening to this episode as always we hope that we were able to provide you with something of value make sure you like our facebook page and follow us on instagram our account you can find under wgtr podcast 
Thanks. Until next time, have a great week of running.